Hello. This is episode seven. Wow, it's been, was it, eight months since the last episode? That's my apologies, y'all. Um, after Cyberpunk came out, I was sort of deflated from the industry of video games. I, I don't know. It Like, when Cyberpunk came out, I was expecting it to be this amazing thing. And then when it came out to such disappointment, I was almost at a loss for words. I had segments that I had already um, recorded and everything, and I, I just didn't feel as much motivation to do it, the, and plus the podcast wasn't getting as many plays, I was trying to figure out a way to, I don't know, do something different, or, um, change things up, um, and so I guess I needed a time to sort of readjust, and plus, now that, E3 has come around, there's actually more games to talk about, there's more movies to talk about, there's more things to talk about in general, so I'm going to once again attempt to keep this podcast going, um, released somewhat consistent episodes, um, I won't have a consistent release schedule yet, because I, to be honest, I can't fully commit to one, but what I can say is that when there's a new episode that I'm about to drop, I'll post on my socials, on Facebook, um, whoever follows me on there, but primarily I'll be posting on Instagram, the VG Man, and Twitter, which is at the VG Man. I'll be posting on there when there's a new episode about to drop, or if the new episode drops, I'll just post a link and make it easier in the future. The... I'm also going to be changing up the format of the podcast as well. It's going to be a little bit longer, a little bit more free-flowing, a little bit more um, longer. I'm going to try to talk about things more, express how I think a little bit more. And I'm also, and this is also fair warning for future episodes, they... In the previous episodes, I had I put myself in a restriction, a profanity restriction, because I didn't want to be known as somebody who frequently cursed and used profanity, but I also felt that that was sometimes limiting and caused many situations to where I'd have to re-record segments over and over again because I might let an F-word drop or something like that. And so this is sort of like my warning in that future podcasts will have a explicit filter turned on to them, which means if you try to watch it on Spotify and you're below a certain age, you won't be able to listen. But if you have a registered account with Spotify and you're above the age of, I think it's like 17, 18 or something like that, you'll be able to listen to the podcasts. I feel, I'm sorry if this makes it so that certain people aren't able to listen, and I do, I will assure you that I'm not going to just be a swear and sailor, but there's some times where, say, if I'm angry about something, I'm going to want to say how I feel. And so I'm leaving this open for that possibility. So no, I'm not going to continue to be, like I said before, a swear and sailor, but at the same time, I don't want to be held back by that restriction and basically caused me additional work to have to record, re-record segments 
just to make it so that I don't push the explicit prof explicit filter or that my podcasts won't get pulled down. So that's a little bit of a status update here as the intro. Um, and now I'm going to segue into the um, my discussion segment. And so thank you for anybody who's listening. Thank you for anybody who's tuned in in the last six to eight months. And also my apologies for not releasing a consistent episode in that time. I'm going to work on that now, but I wanted to let you guys know of the change of the format, why I've been gone for so long, and what I plan to do for the future of the podcast. So again, thank you for all people who are tuning for all the people who are tuning in. And yeah, here's here we go. Here's the start of the next episode. Hello everyone, welcome back. I have a few different stuff that I wanted to go through, but I'm just going to be doing this more freeform and not as formatted as before, just because having to format and edit segments and making sure that everything was in its proper place was a little bit more time-consuming than I thought, and it felt like the show was being built more for, you know, being segmented for commercial breaks, and so I won't be doing that as much anymore. There might be a few spots where I'll take a breather and be right back, but for now it's just going to be, you know, me, stream of consciousness, talking about the stuff I want to talk about, and saying what I want to say, and, and all that stuff. I guess the first topic I'll do here is uh, Game Builder Garage. That is a game that recently came out on the Nintendo Switch on June 11th. But it's kind of a game, but it's not exactly. What it is, is essentially, it's to, uh, to simplify it, it's a visual programming language where instead of typing in lines of code, you interact with these creatures called nodons, and these have different abilities that represent the different aspects of game programming. So, for example, there's a game screen nodon where you stretch it out on this, on this uh, canvas, and that's the size of your game screen, like what you're actually seeing in that moment. And then you have to, like if you're wanting to do a car game, you put in a car and you adjust the the controls to make it so that you move in 2D or 3D if you want to. If I was trying to make a game, and I'm still trying to make this game in 2D, but it turns out it's a little bit harder to do it in that way than I thought, and I'm still learning the software itself. But what's really cool about it is that this is essentially the way to learn programming basics without having any prior knowledge to programming basics and all you really need is an interest in order to do it and no this um it allows you to make games but this isn't like a full-on game builder you're not going to be able to make a call of duty game or something like that with this with the tool set but on the other hand you will know the fundamentals that you have to know when going into programming, especially very complex stuff like ands and nots. And it, this, this, the way that the, um, the structure of the game itself, the way it works is that 
you have interactive lessons which hold your hand through making these like seven or eight games that are essentially pre-made but it shows you bit by bit how to put them together and what you have to do to cause the different effects and after the and after you complete it the course is then added to your created courses so even if you don't like the fact that it holds your hand once you complete the template you can then fiddle with it and mess with it all you want to and make changes and do your own version of that of that lesson and you you're not like bound by doing the lessons you're only required to do the first overall lesson which is a very basic game and then when you complete that from there you can just go into free programming mode and be able to start creating what you want and fiddle with that um, it's a really really cool concept because one of the things that stopped me from getting into game programming and designing games is the learning curve with learning a programming language but with this it doesn't teach you a programming language, but it ter teaches you the ways that you have to think about making games. And that's something that's not ex not super easy to teach because most people want the instant gratification thing. You know, I, I want to make this, and so it's right here in front of me. This game shows that even if you want to make a simple game where you make the ball roll across a little maze course and collecting five apples how that can some can be time consuming with the car game that i'm that 2d car game that i'm fiddling with it took me like maybe two or three hours of time just to get everything lined up to where all the stuff that i put was on the same z axis plane basically everything lined up so that when the car attempts to jump over a box it's on a 2D plane and it doesn't suddenly just go 3D and start going in directions you don't want it to go. And things like that. It's, a, it's really cool for kids, but it's also really cool for adults who don't know this stuff, who have always been curious. And you're not going to be able to be a super high-level programmer, but you'll get the basics in a, in a way that's easier to understand than just opening a C++ book and just reading what's there. So um, it, I, I can't exactly do a full review. Well, I could, but at the same time, a review isn't what this game's about. The, the only real story or campaign or, th or thing that there is to really rate is the interactive lessons where it guides you through creating all of these different things. But that's not really a campaign. That's just if you need help with understanding how certain things work, just keep playing into the interactive lessons and eventually it'll get to you. And another cool thing is when you complete the interactive lessons, the, the concepts go into a file in the game itself. And so if you forget about something, you can instantly hit a button and bring that up on a screen and bring up, oh, that's what that does. That's what connects to this. This is what how it's supposed to work. It's, it's a really, really cool concept. And I haven't seen a major company like Nintendo attempt something like this to this extent. You have games like Mario Paint on the Super Nintendo or re more recently Dreams on the PlayStation 4, which touts the ability to make your own games. But those are more 
they don't teach you anything about programming and they're more based on like level design and character design and that kind of thing not the actual programming or creating the engine or making the code to do those actions so the um the, and reiterating game this game builder garage is a fantastic way to learn how to program and what makes it different than those other games like Dreams or Mario Paint is that this actually teaches you some core concepts that you need to know if you were to start making games of your own. And I just think that's fantastic. So I can't exactly do a full review, so instead I'm just more giving my impressions. I've played it for maybe two or three hours of game time, and I'm looking forward to jumping back in and doing it again. So definitely, definitely, definitely recommend there. Um, next, uh, um, and so with Nintendo, I guess I'll segue that into Nintendo's E3 conference that followed shortly after the game, uh, Game Builder Garage's release. The E3 press conference this year is obviously going to be very different than others since the pandemic and all that stuff is going on. So, um, Nintendo had a, um, had a, um, they they had their version of an announcement. They they call it the not state of play, but um, that's PlayStation. But the Nintendo Treehouse live stream essentially, where they showed off some of the new, some of the new stuff they're making. Um, some stuff that actually surprisingly I'm interested in. Um, for one thing, Advanced Wars one and two remastered. I remember playing those as a kid. My brother had a uh, Game Boy Advance cartridge of the first one, and I would borrow that from him. And that would that was one of the few like strategy sort of games that I could actually understand and grasp. It's not super. It's one of those easy to learn, hard to master games, as far as I remember. Like you'll start off with simple units and be able to do simple things. And then it expands into more meta play, where you can do all like crazy battles, and you'll end up in crazy battles. And so, I guess initial impression of that is I'm definitely excited for Advanced Wars, um, Zelda Breath of the Wild two. That's going to be a very interesting one because with Zelda games, they always have the strange follow up to their games. So you had the original Zelda, and then you had Zelda 2, which was a very different game, different styled game than Zelda 1, even though the core adventure concept was still there. You had A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo, and then you had um, Link's Awakening on the Game Boy, which was a follow-up, uh, which is sort of like a follow-up to that, but on handheld, but it runs on the same or a slightly altered engine for Link to the Past. And then you had the Nintendo 64 um, ones where you had the Ocarina of Time, and then with the same engine, they later made Majora's Mask. I'm, of course, I'm, I'm making up... I'm, I'm, br I'm bringing it all to this, is that all the ones that were different and stranger were the ones that I liked the most. Like, I like Zelda 2 a lot. I like Link's Awakening. I like Wind Waker, even though that one was more divisive. I like Majora's Mask. I, I, I like when Zelda does something unique and different. 
And I feel like that's going to be the same thing here with Breath of the Wild, too, where you have the original Breath of the Wild, which is more of your normal Zelda game, like Zelda 1, Ocarina of Time, Link to the Past, where at the end of the day you're trying to beat the bad guy and save the world. This, the second the the follow-up is where they take the core concept, usually, and do something new and unique with it. And so I'm very excited about the sequel to Breath of the Wild, not necessarily because I'm a huge fan of the Legend of Zelda video games, but because the follow-up Zelda games, the ones where they do something more experimental and different, are always the ones that I like more. So that that also definitely gets a thumbs up. And I'm just going to go for, for like a few highlight bullet points of the Nintendo conference where um, they talked about several other games too um the fatal fatal frame is maiden of dark water or black water or something like that is getting remastered for switch that'll be cool since you know switch doesn't have a whole lot of horror games they have some but obviously not a lot so that will be cool and that was one that was exclusive to wii u and switch has a way bigger install base than the wii u the previous console so i I'm definitely interested in that one. I don't know if that's going to be a day one purchase, but um, not sure. And then I'm trying to think, is there any other? Okay, there's one, two more. Okay, two more things with the Nintendo conference. Super Mario, Super, sorry, Mario Party Superstars. Definitely looking forward to that because the Mario, the only Mario Party games I grew up with personally were the ones that were on the Nintendo 64, Mario Party 1, 2, and 3. Three is my personal favorite, and I have uh, I still have that on a cartridge. But this is a game where it takes it comprised of like all the mini games from one, two, and three, and then I think there's also a few other mini games from some of the ones on the GameCube that came after. But you also have online multiplayer, and I think you also have the local play option. Which, I mean, if they have the I'm I the local play feature is probably one of the cooler features on the Nintendo Switch, even though it doesn't really get featured a whole lot. It's where you and a group of your... If you're in the same room with you and up to three other of your friends, you can connect with each other and play Switch games without having to connect to the internet first. You guys can just connect to each other. And so being able to do that, you know, hanging out with some friends, and then we both pull out our Switch, and then we can connect together and play old-school Mario Party. I mean, that's fantastic. I, I cannot wait for that, so... That's going to be really sweet. And then the last thing I'll talk about with the Nintendo conference of E3 is freaking WarioWare. WarioWare I, was one of my favorite games of all time. It's on, it, I played it initially on the Game Boy Advance, and all it is is a series of micro-games for anybody who hasn't played a WarioWare game, where what micro-games are different than mini-games. Mini-games are a little fraction of a mechanic within an overall game so when you when you're in splinter cell and for example and you have to lock pick a door there's a little mini game to open the door and go forward with micro games what they are is just these short little things where you just do something and that's the whole thing what there's one that i remember where there's a bunch of apple apples in an, in a tree and you have to flick the left and right stick as quickly as you can to shake all the apples out of the tree before the time comes up 
And once you do that, you, comp you complete the minigame. And then you go on to the next one, which is another micro game where you might have to squeeze the toothpaste out of a tube as quickly as you can. And then as you move on, the game speeds up faster and faster. And so you'll have to do these mini games. Uh, they get harder and then they also get faster. And it's a simple gameplay loop, but highly addicting and perfect for the Nintendo Switch Lite that I have, which is essentially the portable version of the Switch. It's going to be a total nostalgia trip playing a new WarioWare game on a newer handheld console. It, it's going to take me so far back. So that that is basically my thoughts on the Nintendo conference. Way more exciting announcements from Nintendo than I thought I was going to get. But man, I'm glad that I got them. Man, that I definitely can't wait. I'm I'm so happy I bought myself a Switch. Um, my next topic that I'm going to talk about is, and talk about briefly is the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's is apparently retiring from video games because he's been getting flack online for political donations he's made. He's donated to, I believe, Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump in the past. And yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of Donald Trump and I'll never be a fan of Donald Trump, but I really don't think he should retire just because people are giving him flack online for something he did in the past. I mean, it's there's there's a difference between you know, giving money to Donald Trump, say, and giving money to, like, the the leader of China, for example. Like, like yeah, Trump's awful and he did some awful things, but at the same time, he's not on the level of the guy who runs China who literally starves his people and throws his people into work camps if they even say something slightly against him or his position. I mean, the whole Winnie the Pooh thing, where he... Where, People made fun of him because he looked like Winnie the Pooh, and he's all of a sudden banned Winnie the Pooh from the country. He's petty and, le and dangerous. Tr Trump's a goof, and he got sucked into Trump's goofiness. But at the same time, again, I don't think you should... I mean, Scott's not going to be hearing this podcast, but, I mean, dude, don't just retire just because of that. Just because people are giving you flack because... They're making something a bit. All I'm saying is, I think that people are making it a bigger deal than it is because there's. It's like, in in a way, it's the difference between a jerk move and an asshole move. A jerk move is still a jerk move, but it's not on the level of an asshole move. And so that's where I basically put it. He did something that's on the level of the jerk move, but I don't think it's like worth it to just go nuclear and you know try to go cancel culture on him. I don't know. And again, this is just me trying to have an objective point of view, and I'm not, I don't like Trump at all, but I just don't think that people should free, go nuclear on a guy because of that. I mean, I think there should be more, you, I, I, you should, there should be more bullets in your gun before you're going to do something like it, before you say that he's just a complete monster, you know, it, I, it, I mean, but again, it's his decision. So if he decides he wants to take the heat and keep making games, and that's his decision. But at the but the, and this is also I'm talking on basically both sides of it. The fans who pressure him and making a bigger deal out of something that I don't think is worth making out of. But then on the flip side of the coin, he is. It's. I mean, it seems kind of immature that like, oh, people are giving me crap. I'm retiring. And it, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't he technically retired from making video games before? 
or at least not like retired from Five Nights at Freddy's or something like that. H- hasn't he retired before? So, you know, he'll retire again and then maybe sometime down the line he'll have another Friday, Five Nights at Freddy's games for us. My point is is that even though there's stuff on both sides, I think it's his decision to make and he honestly just shouldn't, you know, make decisions based on other people and he shouldn't retire anytime. He just doesn't feel like it anymore. But then again, you know, what? Well, who am I to say when he should and shouldn't retire? He's been making and developing these Five Nights at Freddy's games for years. He's been doing them all by himself. He's been developing all by himself. And that's that's not easy. That's not an easy feat at all. And so I definitely applaud him, but that's his decision to make to not bring in other people to help him out. He's the one who... You know, like, basically his retirement is coming from work that he put himself through, more so because he didn't want outside help. But, I mean, that's all I really have to say. Not, honestly, not much of a, to say about it in general, but more of just talking both sides and bringing up the discussion of, you know, people online sometimes going crazy and then developers overreacting and retiring for for multiple times because they get flack online. Anyway, I'm starting to ramble at this point. Um, next, uh, next I wanted to talk about Xbox's E3 conference. Um, there's honestly only really three things I was wanting to talk about. I was hoping they'd have Perfect Dark, but they don't have Perfect Dark to show off this year, so I guess I'll have to wait on that one. Um, the, but Forza Horizon 5, yeah, Forza Horizon 5, super excited about that. I loved Forza Horizon 4. I may have even mentioned it on the podcast here before that I really, 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 really dug that game. Even though it's a racing game and I'm not as inclined to play racing games, but this one is just a great racing game that's super duper fun. So excited about that for sure. Excited about Halo, but honestly, mainly because it's going to be included with the Xbox Game Pass subscription service. So day one, I'll be able to download and play through it. Because I'm excited for it because of that reason. If I had to spend $60 on Halo, I wouldn't be excited about it anymore. I'd be more excited about the fact that the multiplayer for the game is going to be free-to-play. So I that would I'd be more excited for because the multiplayer is honestly the thing I'm excited for more than anything with the upcoming Halo. Because I saw the campaign trailer and it... It, it looked kind of silly it, it looked like the story it looked like a like a story that just wasn't super interesting finding out why cortana hasn't been deleted even though she was supposed to be deleted so what why why can't they just let cortana go and go on to something new or go into new territory for halo i the campaign has been crappy for Halo for years, and so I'm a little disappointed that the campaign is going to look uninteresting once again. But gameplay-wise, the game looks really, really cool. It looks like a blast. So, definitely excited about that. Pum- pumped, um, as a matter of fact, for the multiplayer for Halo, but not the campaign. 
And then with the Xbox conference, uh, Sea of Thieves is getting an update that ties into Pirates of the Caribbean. Sea of Thieves is a game that I find really, uh, really fun. And even though I don't think it's worth the full price that they charged for it and are still charging for physical copies of the game, especially since it's very heavily based on monetization, the game is still really fun. And so the idea of Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies being in the game and having a campaign based around it and having that as a new piece of downloadable content for it, that, I mean, that just sounds like a blast. I'm definitely going to be updating my Sea of Thieves on, um, on Xbox for that. I That's one that, even though it's a DLC thing, I I like the idea of more content coming to Sea of Thieves. And from what I gather, it's more permanent content. So definitely, definitely, definitely looking forward to that. Um, I guess, I, yeah, I guess I'll talk about this next. Um, I'll, I'll be brief because I'm not as knowledgeable about this, but Madden 22, yeah, Madden 22 is coming out and EA is doing another Madden that looks similar to last year. I mean, I'm, I, I, I did play last year's briefly, like for a few minutes because I, because, um, on Xbox, they on game pass ea plays included and that gives you a 10-hour trial so i did play it briefly and it looks about the same as it does last year and all they're really talking about is who the cover stars are and i mean are people really losing their minds that tom tom brady is sharing the cover with some with another up-and-comer i i just don't i don't really get why it's such a big deal for the cover athletes i think it's more of like an ego trip for the football players themselves that they could say oh i'm on the cover of madden and and if you hear interviews with a lot of the football players who end up on the cover they'll have these behind the scenes interviews and they'll talk about oh you know i grew up playing with madden and it's a dream come true that to me madden feels like that's their focus more so than the game itself where the game itself they're just going to do the same thing as they did last year and this upcoming Madden 22 is going to be coming out on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and the new Xbox, the Series XS, X slash S. And they're going to do exactly what they did when they transitioned to the PS4 and Xbox One versions from the 360 and PS3 versions. Is that they'll keep cranking out those games even though they're just going to be glorified roster updates and the new PS5 and Xbox versions are going to run faster and, yeah, look prettier and look nicer, but it's going to be the same shit that you've been getting for the last several years from Madden, where they have they emphasize microtransactions and the game itself gets a few minor bug fixes and updates. And so they're doing that, they're doing that again, and I think... If I remember correctly, the new version is going to be what seventy dollars on PS Five and Xbox. So they're just gonna they're they're just trying to take you to the cleaners. They're just trying to take everything you have at this point. If you're a Madden football fan, and so I'm not including this segment necessarily because I'm a football fan, but because I'm a fan of gaming and stuff like this hurts games. And if you don't believe me, look at what happened to Battlefront Two. 
the Star Wars Battlefront 2 that came out in 2019, if I remember correctly, a couple years ago now, they released that game and they tried to have microtransactions and monetization similar to how they would monetize it in those Madden games or those FIFA games, but, you know, there's, a, but I'll talk about FIFA in just a moment, but the, um, my, the, the micros and the microtransactions and the monetization is been, has been getting worse on these games for years and years and years, and including a segment on the podcast saying, don't buy this freaking game, don't buy this shit, don't, just don't encourage it decline the sales and hopefully the license will go to somebody better because it even though i'm not a huge fan of sports games the monetization that they do in those sports games influences what they try to pull in future games and so if we get it out of games we get it out of the video gaming culture and developers will know that that's unacceptable and so i guess since i'm talking about monetization and microtransactions and ea Electronic Arts, I'll transition to FIFA since this is a new piece of breaking news. In order to try to avoid regulation in countries that are cracking down on loot boxes and other questionable microtransactions, they now are doing a, a um, pack preview where, if you don't know, in FIFA and Madden, when you play online, there is Ultimate Team where you collect these digital card packs and you open these packs and the packs may have a bunch of commons, but you could also have a really high level football player to add to your team. And then when you do that, when you play matches against other people, that football player will do better than the other football player where he may be using a common while you may have an uncommon card. It's a system that has basically been a sort of pay to win system that uses the excuse of it's similar to trading cards to justify it even you know even though they seem to not take into consideration the fact that trading cards have a physical value to them and you can use them in previous and future years while with these games they have a new one that comes out the next year and everything resets after that and so you would and so assemble a team based on cards that you would unlock in packs. And the packs you can spend real money or you can grind like crazy and try to get packs that way. They've now announced that in order to try to avoid regulation while still making the money, they're allowing you to preview what's in your next pack. So if you're going to go buy in the pack, a new pack, it's going to show up, oh, this is what's going to be next. And if you don't like what's in there, you have to wait a timer to finish and then it'll randomize again and then you can look again and see that oh there may be a card in there that i want and so maybe i won't have to spend money that way it it's like it's it's very it's almost pathetic how they're attempting to try to save face by allowing you to oh well you can see what's in the crates now or you can see what's in the card packs now and that suddenly justifies it and it's like no because then people have to wait out the timer, and at the end of the day, you're introducing mechanics into a $60, $70 game that is more akin to free-to-play games that you would find on your phone. Like, 
that's that's the main problem with this is that they just they just need to get those fucking packs out of the game just get them out of there just like they don't need to be there just have it be a totally even playing field like it is with ea's other sports game ufc 4 where that's another game where they tried to do a similar thing and that backfired and so they changed it to make it so everybody's on an even playing field when fighting in the each other in the ufc game that's the way it needs to be in fifa and madden where they're just they're the multiplayer is only you and the other person facing off on an even playing field and you only have the stats of the players that are on that specific football team that's the only way you can have a totally balanced and fair economy to this but ea isn't going to do that they're not going to do that. They don't give a crap. They don't give a shit about anything besides money. They will try to cut corners and justify it, and they will pay tons of money to have lawyers go to the judges and courts in these countries where loot boxes are banned and tell them, oh no, they're surprise mechanics and they're akin to Kinder Eggs and they're just fun little things that's fun for everyone and it's cool in kids' games and it's like, no, not that's not cool. It's sort it's gambling in this context. That's the thing that they try to gloss over and pretend like isn't a thing. But, you know, what 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 am I saying? I it's EA. They're not going to change how they feel. They're not going to care how they feel. They're just going to do whatever they feel like doing. Oh man. I I I need some water and a breather. I'll be I'll be right back, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, next on the list, just a couple little things about early reactions. We've gotten early reactions to the Black Widow movie and Matrix 4, and I'll, I, there's not really a whole lot to say. There's not really a lot of commentary that I can give, but I just wanted to mention those anyway. Black Widow's early reactions from the critics that got a chance to see it are really positive, and it's similar, it's akin to Winter Soldier as far as its story, which is really really good news so that's good news matrix 4 I, the early impressions is that it's ambitious and it might be divisive which you know that that could be very interesting but again we have to wait to see more from i mean black widow we have trailers so we kind of get where that's going but matrix 4 is supposed to come out in december later this year I'm recording this podcast right now in the middle of June, and we still haven't gotten any kind of trailer for it yet. Now, that this could be invalidated one week from now, and they could just drop a trailer out of nowhere. But it's very strange to see a big-budget, very-anticipated movie like this, and we don't even have a teaser trailer. Like, that's where things get kind of weird. It, like, it's one thing if we don't have a full-fledged trailer, but not even a teaser. We don't even get a hint as to where it's going. I understand they're trying to avoid spoilers, but are they really just holding back information just so the people who create fan theories won't be won't have enough time to guess the ending? I I just don't get it. I don't get what their what their thinking is for that. But that's another wait. We'll see. Wait and see. But Matrix. But I mean, Matrix Four. I hope is going to be good. I mean, it's going to be on HBO Max the same day it's in theaters, so I'm going to be watching it on HBO no matter what. And who knows if it's really good, I might go out to the theater and spend some extra dough and support it, you know? Um, and speaking of streaming services, um, Loki's had its first two episodes. 
Um, this will be another impressions video since the ser the season is going to run for six episodes and they're, I guess, in developing or looking into developing a second season for the show, which, I mean, it looks like it's going to be very interesting. Um, but my initial impression of the first two episodes is that this is probably my favorite Disney um, MCU show that they've done they they've so far we only have a few we have wandavision we have falcon and the winter soldier and loki and we haven't finished loki but so far this is my favorite one and the my least favorite would probably be falcon and winter soldier because falcon and winter soldier i expected that to be epic and it wasn't really it was just kind of there it, it 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 i thought it was gonna i just I, maybe my expectations for it were too high i don't know but i just felt like when i actually started watching the episodes i immediately just started thinking this isn't what i wanted it to be and so disappointed by that loki from the first two episodes it's going in an interesting direction it's it we're starting to get to where the, the cinematic universe is becoming less movie and more comic booky, which can be good or bad. And the reason I say that is because WandaVision is very much a story that was or would be very fitting in a comic book. And it's very interesting to see that being attempted for a major series. And Loki's in other cases well. It, it doesn't feel... Like even though it has the high quality production value, it they they realize that not everything has to be a big loud event, which is what the MCU has largely consisted of. These movies that are basically two hour, two to three hour big loud events, and there's not much room for character development or complexity or depth in that case. In those cases, so now that we're over the Thanos thing. Now we can start getting into weirder territories with the MCU, which is always the territory that I found the most interesting in MCU. Because when I was a kid, I was huge into Batman, so DC Comics was the stuff that I read the most. But I did dabble in um, Marvel, and my big three characters with Marvel were the Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, and the Punisher. Those were, like, those comics I bought, like, any time there was a new one. When I was a kid from maybe like age of 10 to maybe like 12, I was just so obsessed with those characters. But beyond those characters, I wasn't as interested in the MC or Marvel comic books because they would be more focused on, on characters, but not an, not as much overall stories. Like with Mar with. DC, I can think of like amazing stories that are just great stories besides the fact that they're comic books like Watchmen or The Dark Knight Returns. So those are those are just great stories even if you didn't have the comic book connections. Those stories are just still really good and really well told and DC would be better about that, but the trade-off would be that their character development would be kind of lacking. The characters could sometimes be very one-note and thin. Marvel, I've always felt like their characters were very three-dimensional. All their all the characters are about their personal problems, you know? Like Spider-Man, 
you know, being the high school kid and trying to balance being Spider-Man and keeping the identity hidden from Aunt May and his friends while still having a social life and that balancing act that he, that he encounters trying to be this good person. But as far as stories for Spider-Man... I'm tr- I'm trying to go and and remember ones that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I know he fights a bunch of people. Like he'll fight Doc Ock or he'll fight Green Goblin. You know, he'll fight off against the Punisher. With you know, Punisher's an early Spider-Man villain, and but the stories themselves wouldn't resonate as much to me. I would remember the characters and I'd remember him kicking the ass of the big bad guy at the end. But the story itself was was usually like, you know, bad guy wanting to do bad guy things and Spider-Man has to show up or whoever the hero in that particular comic is has to show up and do it. That's one thing that I always thought about with comic books is that it's like whenever there's a, whenever there's a major villain there seems to be only the heroes that the movie can budget tend to show up instead of i don't know all the heroes since it's kind of a massive deal <laughs> you know like um i'm trying to think of think of a good example um like so um a car- a case where somebody might be trying to either take over the world or let's see here what's a what's a good example um I guess with um, it's taking me a little bit longer to think about than I thought. Hmm. Like um, I oh man, I I'm trying to go through like all the events in my head. Like like Captain Marvel. There we go. There's an example. Captain Marvel. That seemed like it was a pretty serious situation that they encountered, and more heroes, you know, could have potentially shown up. I understand that Marvel take Captain Marvel takes place in the '90s, when, when that when you know heroes weren't really around and that kind of thing. But I guarantee to you, there's going to be future movies that'll introduce heroes that showed up in the 90s. And it also doesn't fully explain why Captain Marvel only shows up for when Nick Fury hits the magic button in Avengers. Like, yeah, I know she only, like, listens to him and trusts him. But at the same time, she does give a shit about Earth and what happens on Earth, you know. So I feel like she'd come back if Earth was in danger besides, you know... The clicking the button, Nick Fury winning the button. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, if Ultron showed up, she would have showed up, but, you know, they didn't have the character written, and so it was, it was only when she shows up that it was convenient. Anyway, that was just a random thought and tirade. So, I guess what it comes back around to, Loki is very interesting TV show, and... I feel like they all they introduced potentially the new major villains of the MCU and they're going in a very interesting direction that is more like the comic books in a good way in this circumstance. You know, in the future it could backfire on them when some when you start rolling your eyes at stuff, but right now with the MCU everything's been pretty 
easy to follow. And so it could use a little more depth and complexity. And certainly Loki as a TV show gives that. I definitely recommend watching the episodes it, um, if you have Disney+. Plus. I understand not wanting to pay for Disney+, Plus, but if anything, just do what I do and just wait for the halfway point, for most shows at least, wait for the halfway point of the season and then renew, renew it for a month. And that way you can watch all the episodes you want to watch of that show and any new stuff by the time the month wraps up. And then you'll only have paid Disney for one month and you won't have to continue paying Disney. The and the um, Because I'm, I'm always looking for ways to not pay Disney. Any, any way that I can that I can legally not have to pay Disney while still watching th Disney things is what I'll do. So doing the Disney Plus for a month... If there's a certain Disney movie that I absolutely want, then I'll order it on Amazon and I'll have it in the collection so I won't have to renew the Disney Plus if I want to watch that one specific movie, that kind of thing. Anyway, I basically gave my thoughts on Loki. You know, it's a it's a really good show. Watch it if you're like MCU and that kind of thing. Um, switching over to uh, video game, uh, new, uh, more video game news. Warzone, Warzone recent uh, Call of Duty Warzone, the free-to-play battle royale game that even though everyone complains about the fact that the battle royale is not very well balanced, it's still probably the most popular, one of the most popular games on Twitch even to this day. People consistently play this game and one of the major criticisms is how certain weapons, the way the game is structured, certain weapons do insanely better than other weapons like for a while the mac 10 uh, submachine gun was really really powerful and for a little for a little bit the uh, pps uh, t which is the new which was the new submachine gun they added that was similar where it was very powerful for a little while and so they're apparently changing the time to kill from an average of 60 milliseconds to 100 milliseconds now in technical terms, time to kill is the average time it takes for when you get locked in on an enemy and you start shooting, how long it takes you to take down, take their health down and eventually kill them. The time it takes for you to bring them down to health zero. Call of Duty has had a problem where sometimes the time to kill would be way too quick and you'd be trying to play with weapons you like but then you can't because you have to use these weapons that are meta, because if you don't, they're going to get the kill quicker than, than you will. And so they're rebalancing the guns and, in, and increasing the time to kill by 40 milliseconds, which is, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty significant number. I mean, that's, that ain't nothing to scoff at. That might potentially help the game a lot in the long run. Um... As far as my impressions of the new season, honestly, there's not really a whole lot that interests me this season. The mid-season of season three was really awesome because that was 80s action heroes with Rambo and John McClane, um, from, John McClane being from the Die Hard movies. That was fantastic. They added Nakatomi Plaza as a place in the Warzone map that you could run around and explore, and that... T that really, really just touched my inner diehard nerd because because for anybody who doesn't know, I, l I love movies, 
But there's certain movies that I just absolutely adore, and the original Die Hard is one that I come back to a lot. That's one that I could watch any day of the week. I've seen it so many times. And the idea of being able to play as John McClane and run through a almost perfect recreation of Nakatomi Plaza and and being able to see all the different little references to the movie itself and then if you get like a kill as John McClane he'll drop one of his movie lines in there and like his his famous yippee kaye line or another line in the movie like where it's like oh yeah just uh, just hang out it drinks uh, just drink and have a few laughs something like that you know having that line in there you know that that just it tickles my inner nerd so season mid season of season 3 was fantastic now it's season 4 and according to the patch notes i haven't had a chance to land there myself but according to the patch notes the building is under um new management so I feel like they still have the Nakatomi building in the center because design-wise you can still have the design, but the interior be di completely different. I feel like that might be the case, which is unfortunate. You know, I got a chance to live the diehard dream in the sun, and it's changed now, which is, which is fine. But as far as new stuff, there isn't really a whole lot that appeals to me. There's some satellite crash locations on the main Verdansk Battle Royale map, but, you know, so what? You know, it's like they, they added a cool new mask character. I think his name is Jackal, and I dig him, but again, he would be the only thing I would want in that battle pass because the battle pass is pretty lacking. Even the paid bundles that they've added recently haven't been as good. I mean, it, I guess it's because it, um, Rambo and John McClane were such a high point that I, I guess other skin packs don't resonate as much for me, at least. At, at least that's what I think. But, I mean, they could change my mind instantly with a really cool-looking skin like, um, like the, um, I think it's uh, Portanova. She has a skin where she has a clown mask and a um, a suit with a uh, with like a money bag type thing, almost like a character out of Payday, the video game, or like those bank robbery movies. That's a really cool skin, you know. So so when if they drop skins like that, then I I I don't mind shelling out the twenty bucks. But I feel like at, since since I got Rambo and John McClane, I feel like I'm not going to be getting any more. Um, battle royale skins any anytime soon just because you know they they uh they're just not as appealing they're not as appealing unfortunately um let's see here i have a little list that i'm looking at of stuff that i was potentially gonna talk about and bring up um i covered just about everything on this list damn well except for one yeah, I'll I'll do that now as a quick little thing. Um, this is more this is like a random movie review part of the podcast where you know I will occasionally talk about some random movie that I saw that I want to talk about whether or not that's good or bad. Um, and that movie is Sleepaway Camp from 1983, a horror slasher movie about about Angela, a little girl 
who, when she was young at five years old, suffered a tragic accident that killed her that killed her family. And now she's living with nearby relatives, which is her aunt and her cousin. And ten years have passed since that tragic that tragic accident. So she's now like 13, 14 years old. And her aunt is um, sending her off to camp along with along with her cousin Ricky, you know, because that's you know that's what parents did back then. They always just sent the kids to camp because they didn't want to deal with them for the summer, you know. And when they arrive at that camp, a series of murders start happening, and they're very bizarre, very specific, and very brutal. And it all leads to an ending that's absolutely amazing. As a matter of fact, that's like one of the reasons I wanted to even talk about the movie is because it's a it's a whodunit mystery that that change that throws a monkey wrench in the mystery in the last five minutes like it, it's it's tr it was truly amazing because the movie was really made by the opening scene and the end scene the the final scene of the movie because the middle is the killings at the camp but with hints as to the ending of the film and um the it's it was just so great to see that you know re being rewarded for paying attention but also even for paying attention you end up with an ending that's a big big wtf like it, like like i guarantee you you'll be asking what the fuck at the after the end of this movie um but that's not necessarily a bad thing there needs to be movies that are like that movies that will get you to talk about it get you to discuss things movies that give you enough but at the same time not give you all the answers and that's definitely what sleepaway camp's about you get you get some answers at the end of the movie but like an episode of lost after you get those answers you have a lot more questions and i i i'm i know it's a movie from 1983 and usually i have a rule where i don't give a shit about spoilers for a older movie but this is an exception to the rule. I, if you haven't seen this movie, I, I would love to hear your reaction to it. It, like, it, there, there's, there's definitely stuff to talk about. But it's one of those that would be great for YouTube reaction videos. Just people seeing the ending and seeing the look on their face. It's, it, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's a great movie. It's worth a watch. And also, it's very, very easy to watch. The rights of the movie has been kind of back and forth. So multiple YouTubers have uploaded the entire movie, and not just that, the Internet Movie Database, the app for looking up information about movies, you can watch the whole movie for free with ads on there. The movie itself is uncensored, but you'll occasionally have to deal with an ad break. But definitely recommend, especially if you like 80s slasher. This is like the weird the weird one. This is like with slashers, there's the different types of them there's the you know the whodunit ones like who is the one or you have the jason ones where it's a mass killer going around you um th this one is the strange one this is the weird um not surreal but almost um i guess mo shocking in a way in, in a way it it is shocking but it's it's a movie that's really about the expectations of slasher movies and what the sort of 
expectations that like when you watch people watch a slasher movie they start having that like oh how many boobs and kills are going to be in there and that and that ends up being that's sort of a twisted way of looking at things it can be and so this movie almost is like a turning the mirror around at the audience as to what the expectations are the movie doesn't really have nudity at all the killings are not pleasant they're not like friday the 13th where they're so over the top you know the the um everything has a sort of almost mean-spirited attitude but mean-spirited can be a good thing as long as you have a point and this movie definitely has a point with what i just said before about the expectations that go into slasher films and so definitely recommend definitely i was absolutely totally blown away by the movie um that's all the topics that i've written down um so far now i'm just scrolling on my tablet seeing if there's anything else that i would want to cover before i go off um knockout city that's a recent game about dodgeball definitely recommend that that's a super fun game just a quick little little bite i think it's on um all platforms um well now that I think about it, there is one more thing that I gotta kind of address here. Um, so with cy cyberpunk, cyberpunk sort of deflated my motivation to do a lot of this podcast. I love talking about video games and movies, and if anybody who is listening to the podcast remembers, I was going to do a whole episode about cyberpunk breaking it down talking about what i like because i was expecting this thing to be the game of a generation and i mean i basically i thought it was going to be famous but then it turned out to be infamous the whole cyberpunk thing happened and anybody who's been in the gaming news for the last several months will know what i mean Cyberpunk came out and it had a shit ton of issues on it was on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and the games ran, ran horribly on those platforms and it didn't run that much better on PC. PC players just had a bit more of a consistent experience. But the standard PS4 and Xbox One versions were broken and the game only ran decently on PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series Xs. But I would like to testify right now that the experience was not necessarily like there there were still a lot of problems <laughs> when i played because i i have a playstation 5 and that was part of the thing i wanted to talk about is oh how does it run on playstation 5 well i can tell you it runs better but there were still some issues that i would always encounter for example when i first started playing the game the game would run smooth it would it, it, on the PlayStation Five. It would run smooth. I had very few issues. You know, I I did have encounter it like um, but there was like the gameplay itself is what I what I'm trying to say is the gameplay itself. I didn't have a whole lot of issues there, but for a while, I would say for the first couple months, like into the new year, like after December, I hadn't how do i describe this 
I had yet to have been able to exit the game based on my own volition. And here's here's what I mean. I would play Cyberpunk, and I liked what I was playing. I got so wrapped up and absorbed. Every hour and a half to hour and a half to two hours, the game would hard crash. And what I mean by that would be a flat out game cuts off. PlayStation tells me something went wrong, and it 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 just immediately ends the application. For the first two or three months, there wasn't a single time where I left the game because oh I'm done playing, save, quit, exit application based on my choosing. For that entire three, four month stretch, I would just be playing and saving every few minutes and I would literally just play until the game hard crashed. And then when it hard crashed, I'm just like, fuck this, I'm going to play something else. And I did play something else and I haven't gone back to Cyberpunk since then. (laughs) I Like, honestly, they said there's going to be a PlayStation 5 version, like a PlayStation 5 native version. I might just wait for that and then either start over or pick up my save data progress from where I left off and give the game another shot because I just don't want to deal with issues whenever I try to get wrapped up in the game because that's the complimentary thing. I was getting wrapped up in the game. I was getting hooked into this world. And then every time I started getting wrapped up, hard crash, cut to menu. And then I would jump back in. And I'd play for another hour, hour and a half, two hours, and then hard crash again. And it would get to a certain point where I just gave up. And so even a great game caused me to not want to play it anymore because of these issues that kept coming up. There, And so that's sort of where the cyberpunk discussion went. I originally recorded segments where I was going to talk about cyberpunk, but then I was like, you know, I, what, what's there for me to add when I'm not as knowledgeable about the behind the scenes, B is, um, it was like a developing news cycle. Every day there was something new about cyberpunk. So I would do, want to do a podcast and then a week later something new would come out. Um, but I, I have found, but it, fortunately, so, Cyberpunk, even though Cyberpunk did kill my motivation for a while, I feel like recently I've gotten a motivation to do it again, partly because of support from my friends and family who encouraged me to do this and to continue to do this. And I do want to, I guess it was a weird transition, but I do want to thank all my friends and family all the listeners who did listen to this podcast for the amount of episodes I had for it and for putting up with the eight-month absence. And I I guess um, in the future, I won't over-plan segments like I did with the Cyberpunk where I planned so much and then it just all went right in the trash bin um afterwards and so i'm gonna have a more loose structure in this podcast going forward um i'll upload them when i can and stuff like that but i guess going back to cyberpunk to try to wrap up my rambly segment is um my impression of the game is that it's really really good 
and really awesome when it works. But I'm just waiting for it to be able to work more consistently. And they did release a patch recently that on base PS4 consoles, it basically got rid of all the traffic and all the uh, pedestrians in the, in the open world city. So now it looks like you're driving through a ghost town that got abandoned. Um, so not much of an update there. Um, Cyberpunk, I might talk about it in the future when there's major news. But again, that game sort of deflated me. Deflated my interest in video games and deflated... At least deflated it for a while. I'm, I'm definitely back into video games more um, in the last few months. And part and that's part of how I got the motivation to do the podcast once again. Um, but, I, I yeah, this is a bit of a rambly section to, to it. But I did want to at least address what had happened with the podcast. And essentially it came down to cyberpunk deflating my interest in video games for a while and because of support from friends and family i i have the motivation to try again however my schedule can sometimes be a little hectic and it can be a little bit hard for me to record so i guess i'll say now that in the future my structure is that i'm going to make a post on socials 24 hours before the release of the podcast to the public. And that way I can still, you know, keep up with the podcast, but at the same time not be on a consistent weekly, bi-weekly or monthly schedule. Because I, I do want to try to get one out at least a, at least one a month, almost like the... Um, like how they handle a one punch man and manga, you know, they try to get at least one out a month, at least. That's what I'm going to be trying to do with mine is try to get at least one out a month. But if I feel motive, if not motivated, but if there's more to talk about, I have the time, I have the chance, I'll do more than one in a month. But either way, if you want to know when a future one is uploaded, follow me on Spotify or follow me on socials on at the VG man on Twitter or the VG man on Instagram. I'm going to start posting more on Instagram, particularly like when I upload a new podcast. Um, and, um, and I'll still have like, um, options for donations on, here on anchor as well as on my patreon patreon.com slash the vg man so that stuff's still up and going but that's a i'm gonna you know keep that as just optional hey you want to support the podcast you can but otherwise i'm just gonna like before just upload it and everyone will be able to listen to it on spotify um yeah any any other topics to cover on this one um, I'm just trying to see, I just want to make sure I cover my bases because there's a few times when I did a uh, podcast where I would see something that I would want to cover and then I would be like, oh shit, I, I, I can't, damn it. So I'll just go to my usual sources. Um, Oh yeah, I guess I didn't really talk about Elden Ring, but I'm not as big of a fan of Dark Souls, so you'd probably have to listen to another podcast for more detailed information about that. I'm not as 
as hardcore in Souls games. Um, I will be working on impressions or review of Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and I might also be streaming that game since it's PS5 only, and a lot of people don't have a chance to get a PS5, so seeing at least what it looks like and how it works and all that stuff. Um, Microsoft Flight Simulator is finally going to be on consoles, but only on the Series X slash S, which sucks because I don't have one of those. But, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll find one. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um... I have been re I have been reading more manga recently, but you know I I don't want to talk extensively about manga because a lot of it is just speculation as to what's going to happen next. But I will mention here Dragon Ball Super. I am very anticipating the next chapter, which is coming out on the twentieth, about who the identity of Granola is. Who is the if you follow Dragon Ball Super, he is somebody. He is somebody who has a personal grudge against Vegeta and Goku and the Saiyan, the Saiyan race, and it's about to come to a head with Vegeta saying he knows what his identity is. So that's going to be very exciting. But again, not much to really speculate on on that other than, other than Dragon Ball Super being... just being an awesome manga. Definitely, definitely read that. Um, um, it's sad to hear that the uh, creator of Berserk also passed away. Um, I have read a little bit of Berserk, and that's sad news, obviously. Um, I, I heard fans, though, sort of knew that he was terminally ill and on his way out, but it's still tragic when it suddenly just hits hits out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, R.I.P. Um, for sure. Um Um, I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Yeah, I think that'll wrap it up for this podcast. So that that just about does it. This is the new format, my more rambly, talking constantly format to the show. I I sorry if it, if I go become a little long winded sometimes. I tend to ramble a little bit, but I try to keep it at least. Roll at least try to if I go on a tangent, roll it back to where I was, and you know keep things going. But you know, the this format, even though there's those hiccups, I feel like this format is a bit more me, and so I'm I'm gonna be sticking to this format from now on. More loose format, more talky, more discussy. But um, I'll have some more topics on the next podcast. So. Be sure to follow me on all the socials in order in order to know when the next episode drops. That's at the VG Man on Twitter, the VG Man on Instagram. Um, I, I even think it's VG Man on um, yeah VG yeah Patreon.com slash VG Man as well. Can't forget that um, if you if you want to support the show. There's also Anchor.fm slash the VG Man if you want to support there. And, um, other than that, um, be sure to tune in and I'll let you guys know when I have the next podcast up. All right. Thank you everybody for the support. Thank you everybody for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time.